Hello and welcome back to Running the Table, a podcast all about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. I am your host, Keith, and today I have a special treat for you. We're doing another story episode. Uh, On this episode, we will be listening to three different stories, and I will be dissecting and just kind of going over each of these. Now, two of these are relatively negative stories, and one is relatively positive. Now, I'll let you decide, but really, I think it'll be pretty obvious. So without further ado, I just want to remind you all Please do subscribe to get any new notifications, uh, follow for any new podcast episodes coming out, and if you've got any stories or questions that you would like us to talk about, or if you just want to see something change about the podcast, or just have a suggestion, or maybe even a guest that you'd like to see come on, please send those to rttpodcast at gmail.com, that's our email, or you can send them to me on Twitter, where I am at running the table. You can always just follow that Twitter and get notifications when new episodes drop, or just check out what we're doing and what we're saying to other people that are creators of tabletop role-playing games and related media. All right, let's get started on our first story. This one is a relatively short story, about something that I think that we've covered before. Emulating really professional and really great dungeon masters and getting frustrated when things don't turn out just right. This is how a player wanted a game to run like Matt Mercer's game. Matt Mercer, again, is the host of the very, very wonderful, very famous, very well-known... Uh, Critical Role podcast. Definitely check it out if you haven't. It is a fantastic podcast that is an actual play played by a bunch of voice actors and other professional uh, actors of sorts that, uh, that, that do a very wonderful job bringing their characters and the story and world that they're in to life. So anyway... So the campaign started with a simple pirate arc to get two new players acquainted to Dungeons & Dragons, with me as Dungeon Master and another experienced player to help. One of the players, we'll call them S, decided to watch Critical Role to learn more on the side. Now I have been patient and have asked the players to not compare my game to someone else's, and that every game is different but S would make comparisons or say, this is how Matt Mercer would do this. I asked them to refrain from such comments because, honestly, they were unfair to myself and to the other player who was still learning. S began to complain that they got no involvement or things to do, even though the other two players in the game and I have asked for their input on multiple occasions. Yet S chose to take none of those hooks and would rather sit around in silence. Ultimately, they left the campaign without consulting anyone or letting the others know why. Essentially, a player wanted a Matt Mercer-style game, complained when they got no involvement despite choosing not to interact with the world, then quit the campaign, 
Well, let's just dive into this a little bit. It's a little short, I know, uh, and it makes sense that a player would potentially want to live in such a fantastic world where they get to play in a game like the one that is professionally published and produced by professional actors. Unfortunately, that just doesn't happen for most of us. We aren't professionals when we're playing games together. Uh, we don't produce this as entertainment for other people. I mean, I do, but not everybody does, and even I'm not that good at it. It's relatively unfair to expect others to be, you know, a, a professional actor and professional dungeon master and professional writer level of dungeon master and world builder. So I think that this is very important to keep in mind. It's it's just something that I see more and more, unfortunately. Uh, but I feel like the dungeon master here, from what they said, did a very good job of attempting to involve this player. And to this player, I would say, curb your expectations a little. You're playing a game, not playing in the podcast. You're playing with your friends. You're not playing for millions of people watching you. And what that all means is that it's going to be a bit messier. It's not going to be as polished, as refined, and it's going to be different. People play in different styles. I've played with a number of dungeon masters, a number of storytellers, and a number of game masters all do things a little bit differently. And that's actually kind of the charm of having multiple groups that you work with. You know, I, I wouldn't expect some of my dungeon masters to do a house rule that another dungeon master has done. That just makes no sense. And I feel that the one thing that I would say to the dungeon master in this scenario is that I know that you attempted to convey just how unfair it is to yourself and to the other player that was still learning to have this player expect a Matt Mercer-style Dungeon Master and a Critical Role-style polished podcast of a game. But I feel that it's important to say that when you're working in a group like this, the group has to kind of come together as a uh, single unit and, and make these kinds of decisions. And ultimately, in a game that is being driven by the Dungeon Master, the Dungeon Master does have the reasonable final say on what is and is not how the game is going to run. And if they just couldn't handle that, that was fine. They were always free to leave. Uh, now... You may not have wanted them to leave because you may have been down to two players, but ultimately, I think that trying to find a third player that is actually going to play the game and embrace what's being done by everybody in the group is much better than somebody who insists that there is a quote-unquote right way to play tabletop role-playing games. Ultimately, there is no right way. It's all about what you all decide as a group and how you all kind of play together, and the rules and intricacies that you come up with on the fly. It's about improvisation and individuality in a combined setting, working together to tell that story.
I hope that that makes sense, and it's roughly what I would say to both the player and the DM in this scenario. Alright, let's move on to the second story. This story is entitled, Favored Weapon, Airlock. My personal favorite story from any tabletop role-playing game I've played is actually from a Traveler game, of all things. We, the crew of a 300-ton ship I designed named the A Priori, wreaked havoc on space pirates. First, we had three old retired psychers. One was me, the quartermaster. The others were the ship's diplomat and the captain. We combined our powers to teleport our captain, who was getting a spacesuit on, to the enemy's ship. Our captain grabbed their captain and teleported back out into space. He let go of the guy. We teleported our captain back onto the ship. All three of us were exhausted, but one of the ships was down, leaving us with three remaining. One was completely disabled by one of our ship's turrets. Another fled when we announced that we were carrying a massive bay weapon, which was a lie, of course. And the last one charged in and got obliterated by our ace pilot, robot ship's engineer, and our awesome gunner combining their strengths. Then we approached the final, now disabled ship, which had about an hour of life support left, and went to board them to retrieve property that they had stolen. We were ready to fight back hard, and lined up near the airlock where we were docking. We were also ready. When we opened the door to the airlock, they charged onto our ship and directly into the empty cargo hold. One of our guys was injured, but we retreated to an inner blast door that was the only way into the cargo bay from the ship. The rear of the cargo bay had a bay door for, clo for losing large cargo. We opened it to the vacuum of space, sucking the pirates out of the ship. End of combat. That was it. Later, we arrived at our destination refreshed. The mining colony where we were supposed to get paid was overrun by giant clawed worm monsters that used heat and motion to hunt. We sent our tiny robot engineer over to check for survivors. There were none, but because we risked infestation, we undocked from the mining colony and came in at a low, fast orbit. The robot had to float back to the ship through space. We used the magnetic grapple to grab him by on the way. He got on board, and there were bugs in the cargo bay, of course. As expected, we vented them into space. Next encounter after that, we spaced them too. Our storyteller was laughing so hard at our lazy combat style, he dubbed the session Favored Weapon Airlock. We seriously joked about it for a while, and joked about having t-shirts made that had the quote, Space the Bastards on them. Now, I love this story because it's got everything I want when it comes to ingenuity and creative and independent thinking. Uh, the, the players are just a ragtag group, and rather than face these things down, they just retreat to a safe point and space them. They know that these people can't space, but or can't survive in space, but hey, that's an easy end to combat. You may not kill them directly, but at least it's out and done and you're over with everything, and you can safely take whatever goods you needed from their ship. 
this is actually kind of something that I, I want to talk about in the future, which is just ingenious ways that combat has been resolved. And so when it comes down to it, I really like this story specifically because it shows that level of creativity, even though it's referred to as a quote-unquote lazy combat style. I think that it's just creative. It's playing within the rules of the game and playing in a way that isn't trying to break anything that the dungeon master is creating or isn't outright manipulating mechanics of the game itself, but just, hey, yeah, it's space. You can just, if they're in the airlock, blast them out into space and you're done. If they didn't think of that, that's kind of their fault. Why not just wear a spacesuit if you're going to board another ship? Honestly, if I were the, the storyteller in this situation, I would have said, yeah, maybe there are a few that have, like, magnetic boots and spacesuits. You still have to fight some of them. But even then, I feel like letting them take several of the opponents out of the equation with an airlock is just the kind of reward they need for that level of creative thinking. All right. And... The last story we've got is a bit longer. This story is about how improvisation and creativity and independent thought can kind of go a little haywire. This story is Floundering Dungeon Master turns my character into a cactus for no apparent reason. And more. Now, first of all, I should say that this happened years ago with a group that I don't play with anymore, and that I now find it hilarious more than anything else, but at the time, it sucked. I was the primary and first-time DM at the time, running a long-term campaign, and one of my more, let's say, chaotic players decided he wanted to run a campaign on the side. For the sake of this story, I'll be calling him V. I don't want to give the impression that I dislike the guy, but we aren't friends anymore. It was in real life stuff, nothing too dramatic, but it will color my perception of the situation. Also, I want to mention that this isn't the only issue that came up in game. We had very incompatible playstyles when it came to D&D, and at that point my frustration with the way his games had been going had been building for a while. First, let me just touch on why I was so fed up with his games. V had this habit of getting bored DMing, and in hindsight, I should have realized that way earlier, but I kept hoping he'd one day find a setting and story he liked. Now when V got bored, which was rather quickly, things got weird. Grand plot lines would appear out of nowhere, we'd be magically teleported, Red Railroad, to a new fantastical location, or more, and the premise of the campaign would get thrown out entirely. I'm not sure I can fully illustrate how strange things would get, or the tonal whiplash we'd often experience with his campaigns, but let's just say no amount of suspension of disbelief could allow it to make sense for me. We'd be given god-level artifacts that teleported us to different continents, and don't get me started on the random time travel. Worlds would crumble around us in cataclysmic disasters, 
we'd be faced with Krakens at level 4, and overwhelmingly powerful NPCs would pull us out of whatever danger we were woefully underleveled for. Then he'd give up on the campaign and come back with another concept which sounded fun, but we all should have known he'd abandoned too. This was the main problem. He never told us to expect this, and every time he invited us back, he had a very serious, well-thought-out campaign concept, so we thought we were on the same page. We spoke up at various times, but I guess we never actually came to an understanding. I believe we were on our fourth campaign at this point in the story. It doesn't really matter what characters we were playing, but I had made an elf native to the world, so my race was homebrewed, and I had chosen the noble background. Unbeknownst to me, since I worked with him to create a very in-lore character using his NPCs and setting, I had stumbled into being overpowered as fuck. It honestly wasn't intentional, I wanted to make a character tied to the world, and he kept giving me unfair benefits for it. Some of the other characters were given overpowered nonsense too, but it varied wildly from character to character. He gave me a lot of the stronger benefits and made my character essentially a chosen one. I can't effectively recap everything, but a cataclysmic event supposedly killed my character's entire people while she was in a meeting, and this weird apocalypse storyline began. Now I'm going to have to skip over a lot of things to be brief, the party was forced together by circumstance, and we were railroaded along to a desert. We were along a river trying to find the nearest city. I can't remember why or how we got there, but as we started walking, we stumbled along several sentient moving cactuses wearing sombreros with atrocious quote-unquote Mexican accents. Now is probably the time to mention that V is British and that he was cackling loudly at his own joke. It was immediately uncomfortable and god do I wish I had said something. For context, I was the only other white person in the group and I was pretty young. That doesn't excuse me not saying anything and just playing along, but I just wanted it to stop. To clarify, this was not an accent he used for any other people in the campaign. He used modern slang and comically exaggerated the accent to make it sound funny. I started combat by punching the cactus. Big mistake. Next thing I know, my character's arm starts turning green, and as she rightfully panics, Spines start shooting out of her skin. Yeah. Every time my character gets emotional, she turns more and more into a cactus. We also learn that this disease cannot be cured by conventional means. So not only does this guy give my character a cactus disease, it is also incurable. This was a supreme fuck you to player agency, and there was no chance for me to know... I was going to be turned into a plant beforehand. I cannot state enough that it was, it was not funny at the time. I was trying so hard to follow along with all of his zany plots and be a good team player, only to be turned into Cactus Hulk. The severity of the infection was toned down after I complained, and I only wish I had quit on the spot. It was cured pretty much next session by a random deity I had never heard of. Things fell apart from there. I don't remember what happened, but the campaign ended shortly after, and unfortunately it didn't end up being the last. I don't know how he convinced us to play in another one of his campaigns after that, but I feel really stupid for giving him another chance. I want to say that we should all respect 
that everyone has their own play styles, but honestly, V was just wasting our time. We were an RP-heavy group who played for the sake of collaborative storytelling, and we all put a lot of effort into our characters. Yeah, we probably should have called it out way sooner, but it is up to the DM to set expectations for the kind of game they want to run and openly communicate with their players. The bottom line that I have to say is when you DM, set expectations with your players before a campaign starts and tell them if you can't have fun running the kind of game they like. As a player, speak up if you're not having fun, be open to discussing problems with your DM, and if a DM never listens to you, it might be best to find a new table. And I agree with most of that advice. In fact, all of that advice. I just have more that I would like to say. I feel like a big part of V's um, zany plot lines and randomness and chaotic behavior really amounts to, one, yes, boredom, but also attempting to fill that, that gap between tropes with too much. Uh, this feels very much like a dungeon master who doesn't have a coherent story and atten instead intends to fill the gaps, let's say, with whatever happens to be on hand in their mind or randomly thought of earlier that day. They oftentimes may just respond on impulse. You know, you, you punch the cactus, they don't actually know what punching the cactus would do, and they come up with something that sounds funny to them. Now, this is a fine line for a lot of people to walk. It's great to be able to improvise, and you don't need to know everything that is going to happen, because your players will always surprise you. But if your random thought is to really, really affect player agency or really, really change the coherent storyline and quest lines that are being put into play, you maybe might not want to do that. This may just be something that you thought of as a um, quote-unquote innovation or ideation or even just your own independent take on how to play the game that just is not taking it in a fun direction. It, it, it's adding something that may not be needed. And so I think that the what we see in these three stories especially is uh, we see first a instance where um, a, a lack of uh, understanding of how dungeon masters will be different from each other and a lack of understanding of the differences in uh, ideas of like how to make something unique can cause a player to just not meet not be meeting the expectations of the group and can cause a group to not meet the uncalled for unjustly high expectations of a player uh, and then we see how being creative and being innovative in the game with like little things that play into character quirks and into the world and the story you're telling can just make that game all the more fun. And then in this last one, we see how 
trying to be innovative and creative as the DM all the time, or even as a player all the time, and trying to come up with all these different ways to game the system or add new and fancy things to keep people from getting bored or yourself from getting bored can just be detrimental. It ends up being a fine line to walk. You need to understand that DMs, GMs, storytellers are going to have their own way of running their game. Players need to have agency and they're going to have their own preferred game styles. And if those match up, that's great. But then when it comes beyond that, there's also the innovation side of it, the uh, unique ideas that come into play. And it's a fine line to walk between is this idea just a fun character quirk or, or a, a unique way that our characters handle these kinds of situations that is within the bounds of the world and everything that we've set up? Or is this, you know, invasive rather than innovative? So ultimately, it's about letting players find the types of games that they want to play, be creative in ways that are unobtrusive, and as a DM, setting your own play style, setting that expectations, and making sure that people are aware of them, and then sticking to them, and making sure that the innovations that you and your players come up with are not invasive and not disruptive to the game that you are playing and the story that you are all telling together. I hope that you have enjoyed this episode of Running the Table, a tabletop role-playing game podcast all about running and playing tabletop role-playing games. Uh, as always, please, please, please uh, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere that you listen to, to podcasts. Uh, we are also in the process of uploading all these episodes to YouTube. So if you are listening on YouTube, thank you. Please subscribe, like, etc. Uh, and just get notifications if you like these episodes because they do come out fairly regularly. I wouldn't want you to miss one and then get lost or miss out on a discussion that could have really helped you out. Uh, if you do have a question or a discussion that you would like to hear, please, please, please send them to me at rttpodcast at gmail.com. You can also just hit me up on Twitter. I am at running the table. I am very friendly on there. I will respond to you if you DM me. I will respond to you if you tweet at me or tag me. Just go ahead. Uh, I would love to hear any of your suggestions, questions, or comments. And uh, as always, I wish you the best of luck in running your own tables. Mm -hmm.